We're in a series uh, on prayer called Amen, and I would like to start on this Pentecost study with a story of a Pentecostal-like encounter that happened to a very unlikely person, a guy who is uh, deeply respected for being one of the uh, pioneers of modern science and mathematics. His, his name is Blaise Pascal. Some of you will know him because his story often gets told in high school history and uh, science classes. Uh, I mean, if you were paying attention at all. Blaise Pascal was one of the greatest mathematicians, physicists, and engineers of all time, having lived in the mid-1600s in France. He was only in his teens when he invented the world's first mechanical calculator, which was really the first step towards the modern computer. I mean, this guy created the foundation for today's computer as a teen in the 1600s. He was simply brilliant, a, a scientific genius. His law of probability is still used by economists and others today. There is a, a, a scientific measure, a, a unit for pressure named after him that is still used today called the Pascal. And there's a computer programming language today called Pascal Programming. He even developed the very first bus route uh, uh, for, for Paris. This scientific genius, he, he had a defining moment, a, a Pentecostal-like experience, a, a mystical experience with God that totally changed the trajectory of his life. It happened on November 23rd, 1654, between 10.30 and 12.30 at night. He was 31 years of age. It's called Pascal's Night of Fire, where his life was invaded by the power of the Holy Spirit. Uh, he had been a nominal believer in Jesus before this, but now he was becoming fully alive through the power of the Holy Spirit. From his experience that night, he wrote these words, and, and I want you to listen carefully. Fire, God of Abraham, God of Isaac, God of Jacob, not a philosopher and scholars, Certainty, certainty, heartfelt, joy, peace, God of Jesus Christ. That Holy Spirit encounter was so powerful that the words he wrote were sewn into a jacket that he wore, I think for the rest of his life, so that he would never ever forget that night. That night when God invaded his life with certainty, giving him heartfelt joy and peace. And did you catch it? Not the God of philosophers and scholars like he was, because philosophers and scholars back then, like now, use their scholarship so often to try and explain God away. No, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, the God of the Bible. After this encounter, Pascal went on to write a lot about God, about faith, about a theology. He, he wrote a book called uh, Pensée, that means thoughts. It, it's considered a masterpiece of French writing. And in this uh, book, you'll find what's called Pascal's Wager. Uh, here's the wager that uh, Pascal asks you and me to consider. He argues this, it makes more sense to live as though God exists because if you are wrong, your loss will be merely finite. But if you are right, your gain will be immeasurable. Good, that's, that's awesome, right? And this brilliant scientist would, would explain that you will not become a believer in Jesus on the basis of proof, but on the basis of heartfelt experience. I mean, he nailed it because to believe in God and to be a committed follower of Jesus, this is an experience you enter into, a heartfelt experience. 
The Apostle Luke writes, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. And that's what happened to Pascal. This brilliant guy whose science is still revered today became a witness to the life-transforming power of Jesus, not just to the nation of France in the 1600s, but really all throughout history to this very day. So on this Pentecost Sunday, I just want to remind you that you too can have a powerful encounter with the Holy Spirit, that the Christian faith is so much more than just believing in Jesus. The Christian faith is, is all about being filled to overflowing with the Spirit of Jesus, the, the Holy Spirit who allows you to experience this life to the full that Jesus offers so, so that you become an instrument in the hands of God to see lives all around you change for the better. The Spirit uh, of God gives our lives purpose like that. The Apostle Paul wrote, do not get drunk on wine, which leads to debauchery. Instead, be filled with the Spirit. And Paul's just stating the obvious, right? Too much wine, too much alcohol, and you lose control of your life, and you're just going to mess up. Instead, let the Holy Spirit fill you, who will empower you to live the life you really want to live. I mean, come, Holy Spirit, come. Almost need an old-fashioned amen to that. In my own experience, when, when I began to follow Jesus, I, I first invited Jesus to come into my life back in a grade one Roman Catholic classroom. But I never experienced what it meant to be filled with the Spirit. I, I never began to really walk in the Spirit until I was 16 years of age during my first summer at a camp as a, a camp counselor at this Christian camp in Ontario. That summer at camp was profound, powerful, life-changing. I began to learn what it means to walk in the power of the Holy Spirit and not just to believe in Jesus. And part of what I learned about what it means to walk in the Spirit and to be filled with the Spirit is that I really needed to take prayer seriously. That I needed to be someone who walks and talks with Jesus through the Spirit throughout the day. And I'd like to invite you into a similar Holy Spirit-filled walk with Jesus. You will not always have one profound Pentecostal-like encounter with the Holy Spirit after another. They are great when they come and they do come. But so often as we walk and talk with Jesus, it is in a quiet, contemplative experience alone with God where we make space for Jesus to talk with us. We're alone with God, often with an open Bible, and we make room for God to speak to us through the passage that we're reading. Maybe you're reading one of the Gospels, which I suggest is one of the best places to start. You know, the books of Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. You read about Jesus and you let Jesus talk to you as you read about him. Uh, you, you just let Jesus uh, tell you what he particularly wants you to know and do as you read his word. Okay, we've been using the Lord's Prayer as a bit of a jumping off board for this series where the apostles asked Jesus, Lord, teach us to pray. And we've been asking God to teach us to pray. And today we'd like to look at that part of the Lord's Prayer that says, give us this day our daily bread. And while daily bread does refer to physical food, to physical provision, it also means spiritual food and spiritual provision, where our God refreshes us, our soul, every day as we spend time with him, where our God speaks to us and leads us and encourages us. Uh, let me ask you a couple of questions at this point. Have you ever, you know, have you ever asked Jesus to come into your life? Do you have a personal relationship with Jesus? 
Because that's really what we're talking about today. And have you ever asked Jesus to fill you with his Holy Spirit so that you know with certainty that Jesus is present with you? Certainty, certainty, just to quote Pascal. The Christian faith is all about a personal walk with Jesus where we walk and talk with Jesus like every day. And this will get you through your darkest days and and this will even uh, help you experience greater victory on your most awesome of days. There is nothing quite like uh, a personal walk with Jesus where we're full of his spirit. And it really is a two-way relationship. We talk with God through prayer and God speaks back to us. Jesus describes it like this. My sheep listen to my voice. I know them and they follow me. To help us understand how this works a little better, uh, let me tell you a couple of stories that I think best illustrate this. These are stories that I I love. uh, Yeah, I kind of love these stories to be part of a repertoire of Bible stories that we all know here at Fort City. So they're stories you will uh, hear me tell and retell from time to time. One is the story of Elijah. I mean, one time God wanted to speak to Elijah and Elijah was to go out and and stand by a mountain uh, because God was going to pass by. And so there's Elijah. He's ready for God to pass by and we're told a, a hurricane ripped through the mountains and shattered the rocks. Now, if you're Elijah, wouldn't you be thinking, ah, this must be God. Here comes a hurricane and he's coming to talk to me in this great wind. But it says God wasn't to be found in the wind. After the wind, an earthquake. Well, surely this is God. There's an earthquake, but God wasn't in the earthquake. And after the earthquake, a fire, and Elijah had to be thinking, finally, God's showing up in the fire. This has got to be like Pentecostal fire, right? But God wasn't in the fire. It wasn't going to be that kind of experience. But then we read, and after the fire came a gentle whisper When Elijah heard it, he pulled his cloak over his face and he went out and he stood at the mouth of the cave. And a quiet voice, catch that, a quiet voice asked, So Elijah, now tell me, what are you doing here? When God spoke to Elijah, it didn't happen like he thought it would. It it wasn't Dolby surround sound with an HDTV digital picture right in front of his eyes. God didn't come in the powerful wind. He he didn't come in the earth-shaking earthquake. He he didn't come in a roaring fire. He didn't come in an old-time Pentecostal experience, as awesome as they are. Rather, God communicated through a quiet whisper. And God was in the whisper as God communicated as he spoke with Elijah. And friends, so often it is in the whisper that God speaks to you and me. The question is, Are you slowing down enough? Are you spending quiet time alone with God? Are you making space for God to speak back to you in his still small voice in the whisper of his spirit? Okay, there's another interesting story about the whisper of God in the Old Testament part of our Bibles. It's the story of this older guy, a worker in the Old Testament temple named Eli, and a young boy that he was mentoring named Samuel. Scholars tell us that Samuel was probably around 12 years of age when this happened. As the story goes, one night after Samuel had gone to bed, he thought he heard Eli calling out for him. He got out of bed and he ran to where Eli was laying down and said, I heard you call. 
here I am. Eli looked at young Samuel. He's just been woken from his sleep. He's a bit groggy and confused. And he says, I didn't call you. Go back to bed. And there's this interesting statement that the writer of this story, and, and I actually think the writer was probably Samuel himself, who writes, now Samuel did not yet know the Lord. In other words, Samuel was being taught about the Lord, but he didn't yet have a personal relationship with the Lord. Samuel was learning lessons about God in the temple, just like our kids do here at Kid City, but he had not yet learned how to hear the gentle voice of the Spirit speak for himself. And on a quick side note, those, who are, those of us who are parents with kids, we, we need to not just teach our kids about Jesus, and we really do need to do that, but we need to help them encounter Jesus personally, uh, uh, help them invite Jesus into their lives, uh, learn how to hear Jesus for themselves, as we'll see Eli does with, with Samuel. Mom, Dad. You have no greater task as a parent than to lead your child into a personal life-changing encounter with Jesus and to help your child grow in faith. This is far greater. I mean, far, far greater than any online schooling or schooling in general. Far greater than sports, as great as they are. Far greater than any task that you have to do with your kids. It is your God-given assignment to help your kids not just learn about Jesus, but to experience Jesus personally. And by the way, part of what we do at Fort City is we help you do that. And we help you, but it is your responsibility. And hey, in the midst of all of this pandemic stuff, if you need help with this task, just contact Shauna or Emily, and they'll walk with you. Okay? Deal? Back to our story. Samuel heard this voice, goes to Eli, who was annoyed at being woken up, so Samuel goes back to bed. But no sooner had he gotten back to bed than he hears his name again. Samuel, the voice is calling, and Samuel gets quickly out of bed, hurries over to where Eli was sleeping, and says, Here I am. You called me. Eli's not, you know, he's trying not to get too ticked with this young, enthusiastic guy he's mentoring. So he just glances over at Samuel and says, No, wasn't me. Go back to bed. And Samuel headed back to bed. When it happened a third time, Eli finally figured out what was going on. Samuel, Samuel, maybe, maybe it's God trying to give a message to you. Samuel, go back to bed. And if the voice calls again, you, you just say, speak, God. I am your servant, ready to listen. Samuel once again heads back to bed and all nicely tucked in, he once again hears his name called Samuel, Samuel. And Samuel replies as Eli had suggested, speak for your servant is listening. And then God gave to Samuel what we would call a prophetic word. It was a bit of a tough word at that. A word for Eli, who had had a position of great authority. He was the high priest and one of the last ruling judges over Israel. He allowed his sons to grow up with uh, very wild, undisciplined lives, and, and they were doing a lot of damage and hurtful things to the people of Israel, and God was going to intervene. You know, God still does that. He speaks, he, he gives direction, and a, a key part of learning to pray is learning to listen. Uh, Danish theologian Sorian Kierkegaard wrote this. I think it's kind of profound. A man prayed. And at first he thought prayer was talking. But then he became more and more quiet until in the end he realized prayer is listening. 
Have you ever thought about the fact that prayer really is all about listening? I mean, we do talk when we pray, but maybe the most important part of prayer is actually listening, letting God speak to us, letting God actually lead us in our prayers. Let me swing back to something I already said. One of the best ways we, uh, uh, to pray and to listen for God is when we spend time in the Bible. A preacher who, you know, I, I listen to a fair bit is Mark Batterson from the National Community Church in Washington, D.C. In his book, The Circle Maker, that I really love, he says, Scripture is God's way of initiating a conversation. Prayer is our response. A paradigm shift happens when you realize that the Bible wasn't meant to be read through. The Bible was meant to be prayed through. And if you pray through it, you'll never run out of things to talk about. How do you pray through the Bible? Well, you take it slow. You read small portions. You ask God to speak to you as you read. You you allow yourself to go on rabbit trails as you read. Maybe you write down impressions that you get as you read. And you begin to discern uh, what God is speaking to you through the Bible. It's awesome, really. It's an incredibly awesome way to read the Bible. You, you pray through it, again, starting with the Gospels. One of the things that we're doing more and more as a staff team and a little bit as a board is that we really want uh, to bathe the key decisions that we're making in listening prayer. Instead of just giving God our, our prayer requests, and we're pretty good at doing that, we're trying to work at making space for God to speak to us, to lead us, to give us a bit of direction about what we're praying about. I mean, he's God, he, he knows, and he, he just might have a word to speak to us. Uh, makes sense? Because it's all about a personal relationship with a living God. A relationship that involves two-way conversation. Hey, how each of us approaches this will be a little different, that's all good. Personally, I have time set aside in the morning to read and pray. When I go out for walks, well, sometimes I listen to worship music and podcasts. I often just go for silence and wait for God to speak. When I fish on my own or hunt on my own, uh, those are profound times when God speaks. And when the day is all done, I, I have to find time to write down what I've heard. It's Pentecost Sunday. And while we can have profound experience of what it means to be filled with the Spirit, like what happened in the church in Acts, God still does stuff like that. But day by day, as we walk with Jesus, it it generally tends to be uh, a a bit more quiet, right? Uh, I I quietly talk with God, and and he quietly talks back to me. Sure, I, I have to learn to discern God's voice from my very own active and often very imaginative voice or, or the bad pizza that I ate last night or, or even the influence of the evil one that well, we'll talk about that next week. But we can learn to hear God. The promise of Jesus is absolutely clear. My sheep hear my voice. Sometimes what we get back from God just sounds like common sense, but sometimes it involves a leap of faith. But you can learn to discern the still, small voice of Jesus, the gentle whispers of the Spirit among all of the voices and sounds that clamor for your attention. Maybe one of the more important things to learn as a follower of Jesus is to discern the gentle whisper of the Spirit from all of the other noise in your mind. And friends, knowing that your Creator 
the creator of all that is, that his son Jesus through his spirit is speaking to you. That's life-changing. That's life-giving. I mean, that's just awesome. So will you listen for the spirit? Will you, like Samuel, learn to say, speak, Lord, for your servant is listening? Let me pray. And uh, the prayer is a prayer that you can pray along with me, a a prayer where you just invite Jesus into your life to invade your life, a, a prayer where you ask the Spirit to fill you, a prayer where you ask God to speak, that he would help you to learn to hear him when he speaks. Join me and, and just pray with me, will you? Dear Jesus, for the first time, or, or maybe I do this often, I, I, I just invite you to come into my life and yeah, I have asked you before, and I know that you're here. I, I know that you're there, but man, I just want more of you. So I, I not only invite you in, I, I ask you to fill, fill me. Yeah, fill me to overflowing with your life-giving, life-changing Holy Spirit. Empower me by your Spirit to live a flourishing life that, that just makes a difference in the lives of people all around me. And teach me, God, would you teach me to recognize your voice among all the noise that goes on in my mind? And yeah, to do that, I I, I commit to slowing down and making space for you even as I read your word so that you can speak to me as I follow you. I pray in Jesus' name, amen.